Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow, rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, and my co-host, Marcus. And today, we're going to be wrapping up the 2023 French Open Roland Garros, uh, where we had Novak Djokovic win his 23rd major, now solely in possession of the lead for all-time Grand Slams on the men's side, as well as Iga Sviantek taking the crown on the women's side and really solidifying her place as one of the greatest women's clay court players ever, really, in my opinion. So, Marcus, let's start off with Iga, um, because I think we're going to have a lot more to say about Novak and all the historical implications. So, with Iga, I mean, for me, like I just mentioned there, I think this really solidifies her as one of the great clay court players ever on the women's side and really sets her up on a path now to really, you know, make a huge difference um, in terms of the history of the women's game. She is the fastest to four career majors since Serena Williams, actually. So she is on like a pretty unprecedented historical pace. So very impressive. And uh, yeah, I mean, just the final was a lot more stressful than I think anyone was anticipating. Carolina Mukova played unbelievable and she is somebody to watch out for at Wimbledon with how she plays. But overall, it's got to be Iga, the main storyline. Yeah, we did not estimate Iga properly in our run-up to the the especially the second week. Um, we had predicted pre-tournament that she actually wasn't going to win the tournament. We both went with Sabalenka. Um, Sabalenka's probably kicking herself because she... What, what are you talking about? We both picked Sabalenka. No, I think I picked Iga. You did not pick Iga. I'll double-check, but go ahead. Ultimate... The- Ultimate choke by Sabalenka, by the way. we got to talk about that briefly. Right. So this is what I was kind of getting to, is that Sabalenka was kind of in a good position to maybe even win this tournament. But brutal, up 5-2 against Makova and just lost the last, what was it, 20 out of 24 points or something like that or something ridiculous. I mean, she just completely blew it. Makova just kind of put the ball in play, and Sabalenka just kind of gave it away. She was probably kicking herself. But... Yeah, Makova played super great, also almost came back there in that third set against Iga, but I mean, Iga, it, it, it's kind of like Rafa-esque now at the French. Like, we can't we can't underestimate her on clay. Um, we She did not have a good run-up. Same thing as Novak, actually. Very similar run to Novak. Did not have a good run-up in this clay season, um, but both prevailed. Iga is the premier clay court women's tennis player. She's got all the angles, the spins the variety, the speeds. He's got all of this whole package that it's so tough to match on clay. She kind of reminds me, Frankie, you know what she reminds me of? A better version of Justine Ennen, but with a, without the one-handed backhand, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's a very good comp. Um, she is very reminiscent of Justine Anna. Um, you know, she she's got just so much topspin and so much like just variety of ways that she can hurt you from the baseline. But the thing that I will say that I think Mukova began to expose at the like second set, you know, whatever it may be, was that Iga does not really Iga's net game needs to be improved, in my opinion. Like Mukova really started to dominate that area of the court. And Iga was just there were so many points where like Iga would hit this unbelievable shot and she would be in no man's land. And rather than just rush the net and finish the point, she would just retreat back and Mukova would just hit some forehand like deep into the court and Iga's just on the back foot and then Mukova would come in and finish it. So that is one area that I think she will have to improve upon. And obviously she's going to want to improve upon that to have a chance at winning Wimbledon, obviously. But I think that she already has the U.S. Open under her belt. She got to the semifinals this year of Australia. So I think she's well on her way to winning that eventually. And yeah, I mean, she just she's got the complete package. She's a really phenomenal player. I think mentality wise, it's really hard to look past her. I think what the difference was in that women's final was simply experience, to be honest, because Iga was up 3-0 in that second set and then began to feel the weight of winning another Grand Slam come. And Mukova was just like, I've got nothing to lose and started swinging for the fences and found a rhythm in that. And then at the end of the third set, Mukova became very aware, like, holy crap, I'm about to win a Grand Slam. And she just completely tightened up. And Iga, obviously that champion mentality uh, you know, was able to win the match. So overall, fantastic final. Probably the hardest that Iga's been pushed at Roland Garros in three years, <laughs> really, um, which is pretty crazy to say. Um, and it's another tournament that she only loses. She lost one set. She lost one set this whole tournament. I mean, it's she's lost one set at Roland Garros in two years. That's, that's astonishing numbers. So... Full credit to Iga. She's unbelievable. I'm very curious to see how she does at Wimbledon. Um, and I'm sure she'll be pretty good at the U.S. Open as well. But Marcus, let's move on to the men's side of it, where we had Novak Djokovic winning, uh, was able to get past an injured Carlos Alcaraz, which I guess is where we'll start. So Carlos Alcaraz wins that second set. Looks like he's about to overtake Novak and then cramps up at 1-1. And eventually just sort of it was an effective retirement at that point. He was not able to really move. Novak wraps it up 6-1-6-1. Now, uh, Marcus, tell us about sort of what your thoughts on that match were. Um, I mean, I think it was on its way, honestly, pre-cramped to being like the five set epic match that we were all hoping for. Uh, clearly, as shown by those first two sets that almost took like two hours. Um, and then Carlos, you know, it's really tough to tell cause this has happened to him before. So I don't know if this was, I'm going to say it's a combination of both. Actually, I'm going to say it's a combination of both. It was a physical issue where he, some people are just more prone to cramps than other people. So he could be that type of person. Um, but his physio team needs to do a better job. 
and this is, I mean, this is not Juan Carlos Ferrero's job per se, but this is somebody on his staff that needs to make sure that this kid is has the right amount of nutrition, meaning food intake and also, uh, you know, electrolyte and water intake in order for this not to happen. Because it was kind of weird because he didn't really have any super intense matches prior to this, right? It's not like he came off a five setter or anything. So I was a little concerned with that. And then the other part of it is that it, the other part of the combination is that it could have been a very emotional, anxietal stress that caused him to really tense up over the first two sets because it's his first time playing in the semifinal as a number one seed at a slam. He's playing Djokovic. It's clay. It's like everyone expects him to win and he's hitting crazy shots. And I think that through that tension, and that's a full body tension, right? That's not just like in your legs or your arms. So that's like literally in your thumb, your fingers, everywhere you're, ten- you're tensing. Um, and then it, his body just kind of gave out on him. Um, so him and his team need to go back to the drawing board. We've obviously talked about his injuries before, you know, just little knickknack injuries. But also he's got a little history of cramping. This isn't the first time. So um, he needs to know how to kind of manage that, maybe that stress a little bit better. And then also his team needs to figure out like what's the right formula in terms of nutrition and, and uh, you know, just water and electrolyte intake for him to, to succeed. Because that's going to be the difference between him and, and Djokovic, really. I mean, from play wise, they're pretty much even, in my opinion. But uh, Djokovic is just so experienced, knows his body, his team knows him. He knows how to manage himself. He knows when to give energy, when to lay low. He, he's, he's a master at that. And Carlos is young. So I'm, I'm not worried like long-term about it. I think this is just like a short-term thing that we need to address. Yeah, full agree. Uh, I think got to look at the physio team. Don't know how this happens again. Novak, obviously, I mean, let's, let's also be clear, right? Novak caused that to happen, right? It wasn't just unpreparedness. Like, Novak was doing a very good job of being really defensive and sort of making Carlos give full effort on every single point during that match and was doing like the full classic Novak Djokovic counterpunch, you know, wear you down first. He takes your legs like the whole thing. So I want to give credit to Novak like Novak, I think was going to win that match. But it was neck and neck. It would have been a five set epic, as Marcus just said there, because Alcaraz, when he's on, it is effectively unstoppable to to play him. It really is as close to unstoppable as I've ever seen. So, you know, I, I hope that we're able to get them in a five set match again soon. That was actually something I didn't realize going into the tournament is that they've never played in a five set setting. Um, that was they've their only first... played once before. Yeah. yeah, they'd only played at Madrid, and that's it. And it's like so weird to think about because I'm like, oh no, like Carlos has been on the tour for over a year. Like, of course he's played Novak, but then you think about it, and it's like, no, they just played at Madrid, and that was it. Mm. So I think that's an interesting sort of. I don't want to call it a rivalry because there's not enough there yet, but it's an interesting like matchup to look uh, forward to. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's be clear. Carlos is the only one who can stop Djokovic at slams. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, yeah, I think, I, 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 I think maybe, that that is right. Maybe Daniil on a hard court, but... Yeah, you have to say Daniil at a hard court. Yeah. After what he did to him at the U.S. Open, you got to say Daniil. Totally agree. Didn't want to didn't leave him out, but like everybody else... I mean, and listen, I, I want to get to Casper here too. Big shout out to Casper. We had... 
yet again on the Breakpoint Podcast, completely doubted the guy. Uh, he had, to be fair, he had a poor start to 2023, um, but came alive towards the end of the clay season. What's interesting, Frankie, is I found out that during the French Open, his apparently his training block was not what it was supposed to be in the off season because he did some touring exhibitions with Nadal. So he actually didn't get fully prepared until later in Australia, which is way too late, which is why he started peaking now. So explains it. I think he's learned from it. He's not going to do that again. He, he, Kasparud is like definitively, in my opinion, the third best player in the world at this point and the second best clay quarter in the world. Um, behind, maybe third best behind Carlos and Djokovic, but I don't think he's, I think he's better than Steph. I think he's better than Sverev. I think he's better than Medvedev. He's proven it. He's been to three Grand Slam finals. Steph's only been to two. Sverev's been to one. Even Medvedev's only been to three as well. Yes, he won one, but Kasper's shown his consistency. Um, he just doesn't have enough to beat to beat Djokovic. And um, you know, but I want to give him his flowers. Also, want to give flowers to Alex Sverev. His Slam fl- semifinal appearance after one year after his ankle injury. Great to see him back in the fold. Um, but I, th- I think uh, I think I think things are looking really good for for Casper moving forward. But Nole just just way too good. Yeah, I agree with the clay court stuff that you said about Casper. Hundred percent. I think he's either second or third. You know, a little bit of a sort of toss up there. But I do not think he's the third best player in the world. I think you've got to give that to Daniil. Um, that's personally. Deba- I think it's debatable. But the fact that we're even having the conversation just sort of sort of shows you how good Casper Root is and yeah. how much we have underestimated him. I think, and I, yeah. like I said to you before the podcast, like this is the third Grand Slam final of the past six. Like, dude's doing something. You know, yeah. you can't ignore that. Like, he's gonna get he's gonna get one. It's a matter of like when, not if. So, full credit to uh to Casper and his team he, he's done a really good job of like being like the opposite anti Nick Kyrgios like Casper Rude like that's not to take a shot at Nick but like Casper Rude has maximized every drip of potential that is in his body whereas Nick has done the exact opposite of that and like that is sort of what I think is so impressive about Casper and why I think he's so well liked on the tour, which Novak mentioned in his speech. Like he is just, it's really, it's tough to not root for him. Like I root for him all the time. So I'm very happy that he's getting his flowers and hopefully he's not on court 15 or whatever at the U S open, which was just literally the most disrespectful, disgraceful thing I've ever seen in my life, but whatever. Um, Moving on. Let's talk about um, and and agree with you on Zverev. Zverev, that was a fantastic tournament from him. He's back. I would look out for him at the U.S. Open this year. Former finalist. I think he's going to be right back to where he is as being like a perennial top six, top five guy. So happy to see that he deserves it. He's worked hard, and you know, give him a lot of credit. Last thing that we need to talk about here has got to be the man of the hour, the definitive you know, statistical greatest player ever, um, Novak Djokovic, who is just rewriting history one day at a time. It's his 23rd Grand Slam, which is ridiculous to say. And now he has a triple box set of winning every slam at least three times, which is unprecedented. Unprecedented on the men's side. So, uh, 
I mean, that what the guy's doing is just ridiculous. And as Marcus said, like, I, I don't know wh- how many he's going to end up with. My guess is probably 25 or 26 at least, because I don't see anybody stopping him at Wimbledon for at least the next two years, unless there's something that breaks down with his body. And I mean, the calendar slam has got to be on, right? I mean, calendar slam got to be on. I, I mean, he's got to, he's got to be the clear overwhelming favorite at Wimbledon. And then at the U S open, he's got Daniil and he's got Carlos. If the draw shakes out for him the right way, he could end up on the other side. Those two guys play each other. He's only got to win play one to win the final to win the whole thing. So we'll see what happens, but I, I mean, there's not there's not really a ton that I can say, to be honest. He's just the best. I mean, he, he's just so he's just, you know, Carlos is good at tennis. This guy is like really, really good at tennis. I mean, he the way he bounces back physically from matches where it looks like he's dead in the water. Like I was texting you during the match. Like I was like, he looks toast. Casper's got to grab this set and might run away with this. Who knows? But he just finds a way mentally to kind of he starts arguing with the chair umpire, messing with the crowd. He just he's got some sort of different aura that he uses in order to win matches. And that's something that not many people on this planet can do. And he loves that kind of negative energy. He's just kind of like he loves playing the villain and it gives him that kind of mental and spiritual energy. And he's just so solid mentally. And, you know, Frankie, we always talk about Novak's backhand and his you know best backhand of all time, potentially um, great serve clutch server. And his forehand gets lost in the conversation of like best forehands on tour. It really does because everything else about his game kind of overshadows it, but he's got one of the best forehands on tour. We just don't talk about it because Nadal and Federer's are like even crazier, but he, again, like bar none, you know, is up there in like top three forehands on tour. And it's just incredible the way that he can consistently do this over and over again he knows how to man the, the the slam management by this man is unbelievable he doesn't have a great pre-clay court season he doesn't really care about that um we underestimated how much that matters uh and he shows it again he knows how to manage his mind his body his spirit at these grand slams again 23 he's got frankie i never thought this i would actually say this but he's got as many rolling garroses as he does u.s opens which is which is bizarre yeah, no, I actually, I mean, I think I said this last year, too. The U.S. Open is his worst major. Worst, quote-unquote. <laughs> He's only won three times. <laughs> yeah, because at least with Roland Garros, like, he has lost to basically Nadal every time that he's been there. or And then he got whacked by team a few years ago. But, like, understandable that he'd lose. But at the U.S. Open, he has, like, these random losses to, like, you know, Stan Vavrenka. I think he lost to Marin Cilic one year or something like one that. One time he lost to the line judge. Uh, yikes. Um, yeah. yeah. So like the U S open is actually his most challenging one, uh, which is shocking because we think of him as the greatest hardcore player of all time. But, uh, and, and that's also, by the way, why this year's, if he, I, I agree with you, he's by, by far the favorite at Wimbledon. Like, I don't think anybody's going to touch him really. Yeah. U S open is going to be wide wide open because so many guys can do well there u.s open i think is the is the most challenging major to win um on out of all of them now i i think it's been that way for a few years potentially 
if I like really reflect on it, but certainly last year and this year, it is by far the most challenging. There's the most amount of people there that can win it. And there's, you know, potentially four, five, six guys that the margin is like razor thin between all of them. So, you know, it, it, it's, if he were to win the, I mean, obviously the calendar slam would be unbelievable. I don't want to jump ahead too much because we've got Wimbledon in the meantime, but yeah, I, I do agree with you. I, I don't think anyone's going to be close to stopping him at, at Wimbledon, uh, you know, and uh, I said this, I also just want to mention this about Casper. Um, you know, I mentioned this before we started, but like Casper is also like somebody who I think of as like the anti Yannick Sinner. Like Yannick has just really struggled to win these matches that he should win and manage like his body through a, a slam and best out of five. And Casper is the opposite of that. Casper has done such a good job fitness wise of managing himself throughout majors. Like you look at that matchup in the semifinals against Zverev, he destroyed Zverev. Like that was a humiliating loss mm. for Zverev. Yeah. And like it was purely because Zverev was just out of gas. And Casper Ruud just was like, like blew him off the court. It was it was unbelievable. So again, I I just want to really give credit to Casper because he he deserves it, and yeah. like he's he's one of the most overlooked players like on the tour, and we've even been guilty of overlooking him at points. But yeah. he, we did hey, we did for this tournament. We were talking, we were hyping up Holger Rune, and then we he, did we did. He, he took out you know? Rune's legs. And he took Rune's legs out. You know, speaking of guys that like first he takes your legs, Casper takes your legs. Um, and not only that, when Casper like puts himself in that mindset of like hit the ball, like go big, like he is a really tough player to beat because oh, yeah. he's got a great second serve, super consistent. Like he he just it, it is really just unbelievable to watch. And, he, and you know, uh, his there's full credit to him, his neck game tremendously approved i know you didn't agree with me over message but like i saw him hit some really really good volleys this whole tournament including against novak today that's something that he's added to his game he's also added a backhand slice which he used to not really do too much short backhand slices forcing the opponent to kind of hit weird shots so he can either pass him or he can start ripping his forehand and go into an offensive position gasper is is his coaching team has done really nice job of as you mentioned getting the most out of him because i think you and i can both agree and most of our listeners he's not the most talented guy in the top 10 if anything he's like one of the least talented by far i mean on paper i mean yannick should be yannick should be casper really even better yeah i i again like i mean that as a compliment to casper like he is his and we said this actually last year at the tour finals about him his x factor is that his fitness is the second best on tour to Novak Djokovic. That's the only person that I can think of that's fitter than him. He just does such a tremendous job on his body. And, and you know, I don't want to spend too much time on Casper because Novak obviously has completed something that none of us thought was possible. But I, I really want to give him his credit because he has proved everybody wrong so many times. Um, but yeah, I mean, Novak, there's 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 not really a ton that any of us can say. He is doing things that none of us thought were possible. His forehand was unbelievable today. I mean, that third set, like it was four or five. He's serving. He goes and like he wins. If I'm calcul- if I'm re- remembering correctly, he wins 12 out of 13 points in a row to close out that third set. He breaks Casper at love. He holds serve at love. 
and then he holds serve again, losing one point on a shank that he shouldn't have missed, um, and then promptly closes the match out. And then even like that first set is a perfect example. He should have lost that set. Casper was a better player in that first set. Yeah, Guess what? Novak doesn't care. He doesn't care. He comes back, brings it even, and then even after that, okay, Casper has the chance to win it in a tiebreak. Novak just slams the door shut, goes up 3-0, and then ends up winning the tiebreak 7-1. He was 6-0 in tiebreaks this entire tournament. That's ridiculous. The guy just turns it on to a different level in those like clutch, like ultra tense moments, you know, more so than any other player that I've seen. Like there was, I think it was the first point of the tiebreak, the first set tiebreak. Do you remember Casper hit like three winners, three winners. Novak gets all of them back and then ends it with a sliding open stanced forehand down the line, just completely demoralizing Casper. That was the whole tiebreak. Well, first point it's over. Yeah, he takes your soul, man. He takes your legs. He takes your soul. He takes like any sort of thought where you're like, ah, maybe I have a chance to win. He just snatches from you and just lets you know, no, sorry, not today, not yet. Uh, At the age of 36, by the way, 36 looks limber as if he's 25. I mean, his, his fitness is like incredible compared to, I mean, any athlete on the planet. It must be because Tom Brady's hanging out with him. I mean, honestly, Tom Brady is the perfect comp for him, right? Just guys that treat their body differently than anybody else that we've ever seen, right? And 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 are successful to a later age than anybody that we've ever seen. So, and the mentality, yeah. I mean, you're pointing to your head right now. It's the mentality. It's, it's the mentality that, like, they just love competition more than anything. Uh, and it will be a good week for Serbia, let me tell you. And a good week to be out in Denver. That is true. That is true. Hopefully, they'll if they close it out tomorrow night, then it'd be a nice little party in Denver. And also, Serbia, I'm pretty sure, will write Djokovic and Djokovic into their Bible. If they're not already there. Um, I'm pretty sure they're just going to rename Belgrade Yoko Grade or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, why not? Like, Nolagrad, you know? <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. They should. I mean, he's literally like Novak is now approaching like we'll wrap this puppy up now. But like Novak is now approaching like an era where he is potentially going to end up as the greatest sports person of any sport ever, like of all time. That's what he's that's what he's like now approaching. Oh, yeah. He's approaching Michael Jordan. Yeah. No, I if he's he's touching that like Michael Jordan Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, sort of Tom, Tom Brady, Brady. Yeah. like level Tiger of Woods. Yeah. whoa, yeah, you know. So tough to tough to really say anything past that. Yeah. Um, that's gonna do it for us here. Um, if you guys have any questions, anything like that, you want to be on the pod, please be sure to uh, hit us up on Instagram. As always, appreciate all of your support, and uh, we will catch you guys next time. See you.